You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 132. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. You've reached another Local Maximum. Welcome to the show. If you are expecting that we're going to be talking about machine learning or, or software today, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. We're not going to go in that direction today, but we're going to have a lot of fun. I am going to talk to Rob Bernstein again, host of the Run Your Mouth podcast. He was one of my early guests back way back in episode 17. Uh, one thing to note, today's episode will be marked explicit. Uh, the reason for that is there are a few expletives sprinkled in around for emphasis. Uh, that is common for some of these podcasts. If you're worried about this, you don't like that, uh, consider not listening. It's not everywhere. Uh, I know some of you are like, oh, this is going to be good now. You're going to be, and now some of you want to really want to watch this, but we're going to be talking about podcasting. We're going to be talking about comedy, a little bit of the political situation now, Trump, Biden, Kamala Harris, a little bit of, uh, uh, what's going on in New York. So it's more of a catch up episode. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation next week. I think I'm going to swing the pendulum all the way back the other way and go hard math on you. So watch out for that. All right. My next guest is the host of the Run Your Mouth podcast and co-host of Part of the Problem podcast on Gas Digital Network. And his content covers a tremendous range. Rob Bernstein. I'm, I'm happy to be on with big corporate censors. What a thrill. <laughs> Rob Bernstein, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. So what were we talking about? There's a lot of things we could talk about today. You know, last time we talked was like, what, uh, 20, not the last time we talked, but the last time you were on my show was 2018. That was like, that feels like a thousand years ago. It does. I mean, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. You, you were show episode number 17. Uh, you were the first one I had on the show who I didn't know beforehand. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, no. And, uh, that, so that was a big deal for me. I'm and glad now, I opened you up to, hey, I can trust random people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I can, and I was like, yeah, I, I can trust random people. Surprising, huh? I mean, I came up into your office, filthy comic. I didn't wreck anything. I didn't steal nothing. I, I sat in the conference That we know room. of. I didn't make uh, other employees feel uncomfortable. I was uh, very, very gracious. <laughs> yeah, well... All right. So uh, it's now 2020 and um, we have a lot to talk about. I'm, I'm glad we're all still alive here in 2020. And so you're not in New York anymore. So let's, let's talk about that. Like where, what happened? What happened? Uh, you know, my lease was <laughs> up and who the hell wants to pay rent in New York City right now? Oh my God. It's gotten so bad. So like, what does that mean for the comedy scene? Is it just done? Like how are they just going to be able to restart or is it just... I mean, comics, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not one of them right now, but comics are going at it. From what I understand, there's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of shows at like parks. Um, I'm mm. not really there, so I don't know quite like the extent by which people are hustling and trying to make shows happen, but I think people are out doing it. I know myself, I'm starting to line up uh, backyard comedy shows, just hitting up like my own fans being like, who the hell wants to throw a show and trying to put them together. I got two coming up. Um, actually I got three coming up. It's not enough. The big problem with that or what I don't like about playing to your audience, especially in that capacity is that, 
Um, usually when I actually get up in front of my fans or like the part of the problem fans, I got like polished 20 minutes or whatever it is. I got a polished half hour and I can go to your city once a year and actually make money off my comedy because I'm like presenting the polished 30 minutes. But without being able to get up like in front of randoms in New York City to constantly polish and have new stuff, like you can't like I can't I, I can't go to Baltimore twice now to do the same half hour in front of people who are actually paying to see me. So it's not I'm not really sure what the model for me is going to be. But at the moment, I'm just trying to line up some backdoor shows and, you know, stay as sharp as I can. Are, where are those shows going to be in Connecticut or? No, I'm doing one uh, August 21st uh, outside Baltimore. Fan of Run Your Mouth built us a stage. He put up banners got a sound system. I think there's like a hundred people coming out for that. He's got a big ass property. Um, and then August 22nd, I'm doing one Philly, just another random fan. People are showing up. We're going to have a barbecue, uh, doing a show this Friday night in Philly on a rooftop. So that's kind of what I'm booking at the moment are kind of private backyard and rooftop shows. Cool. If there's one in the area in New York or Connecticut, let me know. I, I definitely, I'm definitely down to head out there. So yeah, so where's how's the podcasting going? Where does that leave podcasting now? Are you all doing it remote, just like? Just, yeah, just I mean, on? podcasting has been great. I've been working on a lot of other projects. I've been writing a lot of stuff. I'm starting to like film some sketches. So in that regard, I mean, there are nights though that I'm just like bored, and I've watched more Netflix over the last three months than I have in the last three years. Um, so that's definitely like a change in my lifestyle. Is that evenings that I was definitely out working, I'm now just home, kind of twiddling my thumbs but yeah no I, I still run your mouth I think content and quality has been up because I got more time to put them together part of the problem I do remotely probably once or twice a week I actually kind of prefer the remote format because Dave has to listen to me a little more um yeah. but I, yeah I podcasting is great you can do it from anywhere it's easy it's fun it's yeah yeah I found I mean I don't know there's something that you miss that's like in person that's a little better especially sometimes I don't like leaving the house I prefer this I'm yeah. like good I don't need to be in a room with people no <laughs> Yeah I don't know sometimes man he, yeah but you don't interview you don't do like tech interviews and sometimes with some of those and they're not podcasters and they're not funny and sometimes you really have to focus to get something good out and, uh, and, and I don't know, it's different. I'd rather have the person there. All right. I'm lazy. I, I even when I do run your mouth, like I, I actually like the phone call cause I can put them together for short segments and then like, I can kind of, uh, but, the people, but I need to get someone with a good microphone too. I'm not, yeah, I'm never, yeah, you know, that's, that's an issue. The way I like to do it on my show, I'm the only person I know that, that does it this way is I tell people I'm going to have them on for a 10 minute segment. Uh, and I find the advantage is that if it's going well, it can go for 45, 50 minutes, an hour. Great. Let's fill it up. Yeah. And if they're kind of not all that interesting, I can get them off within 10 minutes and they don't feel like I cut them short. That, that's been my approach. And that's also why I like phone calls. I can be real ADD about it. And like it's the, the format's real flexible. But that's the, I, I'm the only person I know that does it that way where I'll do three guest calls on one episode. Most people like to have one guest. I just want to cut in here to talk about another awesome podcast. When the New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said that the one news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. For more than two years and nearly 700 episodes, 
The Tech Meme Ride Home has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news podcast. The Tech Meme Ride Home is a daily podcast, only 15 to 20 minutes long. And every day by 5 p.m. Eastern, it's all the latest tech news. But it's more than just headlines. You can get a robot to read you the headlines if you want. The Tech Meme Ride Home is all the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts and tweets and conversations about those stories, as well as behind-the-scenes analysis. The Tech Meme Ride Home is like TLDR as a service. The folks at Tech Meme are online all day, reading everything so they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every single day. Search our podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. All right, now back to the show. So you've got like a, a, a porch tour coming up. I was on your porch tour two years ago. I think we missed yeah, it last year. Yeah, it was episode. Yeah, yeah we, we missed it last year. And uh, I know I was supposed to do it, but I kept trying to, I had my Oh yeah, because your trip. friend didn't like me. You, you uh, wanted to do it at your friend's place because he had the nicer porch. And then he checked out my content and said, I can't have I'm, this bigot over. And it fell, I, it fell through. I don't think that's what happened. That's what happened. I remember. <laughs> I have a good memory, Max. You're like, my, my rich friend has this incredible porch. He'd be interesting to talk to. And then he checked out my stuff and he's like, you, Max, you shouldn't even be listening to this. I think, I think if my friend heard you say that, he'd be completely like, this is like bizarro backward land, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I got, we'll I'm not do... for everyone. I'm not upset or offended. I'm just telling yeah. you, that's what happened. So, he so, uninvited us. So what happens, uh, what happens this time? You, you, you just go, go over to random people's porches and see what happens. I thought you said you were lazy. Now you're, uh, now you're getting out there. Well, all right. Here's how the summer porch tour came yeah. to be. I found when I was in New York City, I never I, like I didn't have a car at the time. So I, I felt like I was missing out on summer because I was just in New York City inside my apartment. Yeah. And so the summer porch tour, if anything, I like sitting out on a porch and I was like, let's be weird. Let's go to our like whoever hits me up. I was also kind of curious to get a feel for like how many people were like listening to the show or what the engagement was. Um, I'm also like a big fan of Grateful Dead from a marketing perspective. I like the idea of like community feel and really trying to like as much as possible, have a personal relationship with whatever, like that's what I'm trying to craft as much as possible. Um, and I, I think there's a vibe to it. And firstly, it's what I enjoy. So it's genuine, but I also think that over, over time, it's going to become an interesting model of do it yourself, direct relationship, you know, just doing shows at my fans houses. I think it's, more interesting than clubs. But anyways, long story short, I like hanging out on a porch. So we, we put out the call. Hey, if you've got a porch, you're in the tri-state area, invite me over. We're going to do an episode from your porch. And uh, it's been fun because every person I meet is like different. And so every episode turns out to be really weird and different. I became really good friends with the Shedcast guys that I'm doing like a whole bunch of episodes with now. Um, I, I revisited a guy I was at last year. Now this year we shot guns. So it like, it's interesting because all the personalities are like returning and we're building off of it. And now we're in year three and we're actually doing legit comedy shows with stages in people's yards. Um, I'm hoping by next year, because I'm getting so many inquiries from out West that I can really do like a full cross country drive and like a new episode every week. But um, I don't know, man, I love doing it. It's, it's fucking weird. Yeah. I like getting out, meeting new people. It forces me to do so. And so we put out the call, Summer Porch, or if you're a fan of the show, hit us up. If you're in the tri-state area, we'll do a show from your porch with you on it. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you ever go on someone's porch and be like, 
man, I am, I am not comfortable here. I shouldn't be no, here. But I, so the answer is like, not, not exactly because could happen. firstly, it definitely could happen. I think I have a remarkable skill to de-escalate like situation. Firstly, I don't think my fan base is so large that there's some creep that's listening to the show that wants to invite me over to their porch to do something weird. I just really like, I don't even have that in my head as being a risk. I just don't, sure. uh, yeah, I yeah. just don't see that. Um, in terms of an awkward experience, you know how many shitty comedy shows I've done? To me, that's like yeah. part of the thrill of trying to do the summer porch tour is I don't know going into it. It's going to be fucking weird. I'm interacting with some random person from their house on their porch. Thus far, they've all been fun. Am I going to do one with someone who's a total fucking like, I, I mean, whatever. That That's the thrill of the summer porch tour. I don't know how it's going to go. We're interacting <laughs> with someone I never met. Let's fucking yeah. do it. No, I mean, that's that's part of the excitement of it. I was just curious if you had any situations. I mean, I don't know. When I was when I was younger, uh, I don't, when I was in my 20s in the city, like I would go to whatever party anyone invited me to, and some of them were on rooftops. On Which was like there one was or two a year, and so yeah. oh, you know, it was some, easy to put yeah. <laughs> Yes, and it was two a year, and one of them would be like, oh shit, I really shouldn't be here. <laughs> Why? What would be a party that you would walk into and just, by the way, you well, should know, I feel that every single place I go to ever. Like I'm, I'm uncomfortable, especially like I'm claustrophobic. That's one of the things I don't like about New York City. Everything feels fucking cramped and I have social anxiety. Like I like being at places if it's work related. If it's not work related, I got no interest in being there. I want to be back at home in my apartment. But I'm yeah. curious for you, what is like the party that you walk into that you're just like, shit, I shouldn't be here. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll give two examples. Uh, there was one when I was on like a rooftop party and got busted by the cops, but I wasn't like, I wasn't supposed, to, it wasn't that I wasn't supposed to be there. Like, it was like a friend of a friend of a friend type situation. And like, I just ended up there on the fluke. And I'm like, oh, now I'm going to get arrested because like these guys are making too much noise. But uh, yeah, like, I don't know, the police came and asked for everybody's ID and I just kind of slipped out the back and walked home. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So that was, that was a little weird. Um, and there was one new year. I wasn't even living in the city yet. Was I living in the city? Oh no, I was new year's 2007. New year's 2007. That's my first new year's in the city. I ended up at somebody's apartment with my cousins and it was, I don't know, people were stoned, drunk out of their minds and falling on the floor. We saw vomit. I was like, I don't know. I wasn't like, I wasn't nervous. I was like, hey, it's actually kind of cool that I, I'm seeing this right now. Like, I wouldn't get to see this at other places. I don't know. Maybe you see that more. In the, but it was really bad. <laughs> Sounds like so, a good party. Dude, yeah. I once showed up to a party. This was in college. We well, it was, it was a little over the time. It was a little like, I, I'm afraid some of these people are going to get really hurt, and then I'm going to have to deal with that. Yeah, that's just nervous Jew energy. I once yeah. went to a, um, a party it was like, I don't know, some summer in college. And I went with a good friend of mine we drove. It was, I, I think like in Fairfield, we show up to some really nice house. There's like, you know, cars going all the way up the fucking street and we're walking okay. towards the front door. And as we walked towards the front door, some guys being, you know, carried out by his friend because he just shat his pants. Oh, my and God. I turned to my yeah. friend, I was like, I was like, this is going to be a good fucking party. Yeah. <laughs> you got to go see what's going on in there. Are you kidding me? This guy's getting carried out because he shot himself. <laughs> he must have some fun stuff going on in there. I haven't been, uh, yeah, I haven't been to one of those in a long time. I guess it's not really very socially distant to uh, have defecation in the middle of, although it feels like the Sixth Avenue is now that party every night, every day. Oh, it's just every, just all homeless Jeez. people just I, shitting up on the street. No, I, I went, so... I was in the office, in the Foursquare office for like the first time, 
uh, not, not, not for the first, but like one of the first times in a long time today. And I was like, okay, let's go to my sandwich shop. That's like two blocks away on sixth and sixth Avenue. And I think 24th. So I have to walk between 23rd and 24th. And like, it's just all lined with people. I, I want to say like a tent city, but there are no tents. They just, they have like all their stuff. And there's like every, I don't know, every three sidewalk squares is like another, uh, is another zone, another person living there with like all their junk. And uh, I don't know, I, I've seen someone sleeping in a, uh, in a, what, what, what are one of those things? A shopping cart. I saw someone sleeping in a shopping cart today. I don't, that's weird. I've never seen that before. Um, I was thinking about this because I was, I was reading about all the homeless uh, situation that's currently in New York City and part of your brain, like it breaks your heart. We're like, man, these, really people are, does. these people are really in trouble. But then I was also thinking about like all of life is kind of, and we've all had this situation. Uh, you might've even been this kid that I'm about to describe, but you're hanging out with all your friends and then one person that you don't like shows up and it just ruins the entire hang. And like, oh, yeah. it's amazing that you could be with your five best friends in the entire world and you could be going, I don't know, to an amusement park or you could be going to meet women. You could be going to play poker, whatever your favorite activity is. You could be with five of your favorite people going to do your favorite activity. And because there's this one person that you don't like there, it just ruins the entire thing. There's nothing yeah. enjoyable and you, and you, about you can't, it. There, there's, they always have some reason why you can't say no to them. Like you think, oh, just, just say no. And then somehow they have some sneaky way of getting in to the right, group. Right, but... But isn't that amazing that there's so much of life that's just ruined because there's one person there? And I kind of feel like that's the tragedy of of, the, of homeless people is that they are I, I, the quintessential just person you don't want in the group. You don't even want to see them. You don't want to be around them, obviously, because they're crazy and they've got problems and they're homeless and they smell all the negatives of or if you try to help them, you're not going to be able to help them. And because their life's a mess. And yeah, that's the, that's the saddest thing. It's like, I don't yeah. know what to do. And it's I've got a job to do usually during the day. And it's like, uh, like, no, but that's the point. You want to be able to live in your area. You pay a shit ton in rent and you want to be able to show up to your job, be able to live your job and go about your life. And at the end of the day, all of us don't want to see or deal with these people, um, which puts it into a weird position because if it, let's say just government didn't exist, we would be in gated communities or some sort of arrangement where like this wouldn't just build up. You know what I mean? It's a, some, it, it like, yeah. it's an allowance of government that this builds up. And on the same note, you're like, wait, but so government's going to like forcibly do what with these people? How's that going to work? That doesn't sound very nice. Like, well, so in, in the Upper West Side, mess. haven't they moved in like um, hotels? They're putting yeah. them in hotels. Two, yeah. spending, they won't even tell us how much money, but they're spending 175 bucks a night to put these people up in hotels, um, which firstly, I'm going to guess at the end of those people staying in the hotels, the, that, that hotel value decrease is not going to have been worth housing these people. But, you know, I guess they're doing their homework. They know what their government checks are or how they have what they need to do to keep some contracts alive or whatever the hell it is. But Well, who's staying at those hotels now? Probably, I mean, they're probably no having one. trouble, yeah. think, you know, uh, filling up rooms as it is. So um, I guess they need the money. Yeah, but I mean, it's incredible that you've got... Um, What's his name? Uh, who's the governor? I just forgot his name. Uh, Cuomo? Yeah, you got Cuomo who's begging rich people to come back to the city because oh, yeah. he needs their tax dollars. And at the same time, they're allowing the property value of these people to depreciate because their neighborhoods are becoming overrun with, 
let's just say undesirables and undesirable activities. And also they don't want to live in these areas now. So how's that going to work? How are you going to get the tax dollars that you want or the people that you want living in these areas if you're also letting them turn to shit? You can't have it both ways. And, uh, you know, de Blasio said, well, we're not going to pander to the rich anymore in this city. Um, right. But you're going to go I, bankrupt and it's going to be a cesspool yeah. of crime. Good, but good I don't ideas. know. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not having crime pandering to the rich. I mean, the, we all want no crime. You know, it's <laughs> I don't know what he's what he right. wants there. Uh, but um, I've yeah, I, I never thought I'd miss uh, Bloomberg. And I know I'm kind of going to be. Uh, well, if I said that on like part of the problem, I'd be pummeled or whatever. But seriously, like, uh, I mean, I have no illusion. Like Michael Bloomberg of, you know, in terms of the nanny state, he was the nanniest. And he would have locked this shit down during COVID like like no one else. But he would have come up with a way for it not to be that bad economically. He would have come up with better ideas. Like he understands that, uh, you know, the, the city has to be, run and you know the city needs money coming in in the long run and the current leadership de blasio just they're just milking it for all they got they've got what two years left a year and a half de blasio is an idiot and uh i mean i don't know what his long-term you know plan is but he's got no future in politics he's been outed as being an idiot he tried running for president and pulled it basically zero so you know i i don't know what his game plan is but maybe he's just kind of you know, checked out on this whole thing. Who knows? It, it's so weird. Like in every election for mayor of New York City that I can remember, there was like a, a huge debate about it. And then like, you know, uh, Bloomberg versus all the people he ran against, uh, Mark Green, Fairer, all that, uh, Giuliani, a big deal. And then, you know, 2013 rolls around and the mayoral election is like, eh, he just kind of walks no, right in and takes it. Nobody really finds any out anything about him. It wasn't, I, from what I recall, it wasn't that it was all that. Eh, it was um, after three terms of a Republican. Yeah, you were five. Just gonna... Five terms. Oh, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. two of Julie. Yeah, 20 right, but years. It was the, but it was the three in a row of what's his name that he managed to extend his term, yeah. which already felt like in being imposed upon. So you were going to see a switch. Um, the people that ran against de Blasio, one of them was that Gristides guy who lo- literally looks like a villain. He uh, might be uh, Gristides. Yeah, because yeah, he, he charges too much for the, uh, well, the groceries. That could, that could be true too, but I'm just saying he looks like um, a villain out of He didn't actually Spider-Man. want, he didn't, he didn't actually no, he the ran. Republican. No, yeah, but he didn't, he didn't no, get the he Republican was, No, I thought he went, he went Republican. All right, anyways, yeah, he was. de Blasio was an early kind of riding the woke train thing that he went out there and he's like, look, I got a black wife, black kids. And people in New York City kind of thought that that was really cool, especially as they were looking for something a little bit more liberal. And also people really didn't like the stop and frisk policy. Yeah. Um, so, he, you know, he kind of rode yeah. that. But even so, I mean, he won his second term in a fucking land. Like, I don't even remember him being much opposed, despite the fact that his first term, um, I don't think people were, you know, I don't know. Nobody's I don't know. paying attention. People. I don't think if you yeah. ask voters like, what, what, you know, what's de Blasio been up to his first term as they were voting from the second term? I don't think people could have told you very much. No. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think the first term, like the city was just kind of coasting, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and now we're in, in real trouble. Um, so, but yeah, anyway, I am, I'm really excited. I don't know about you. I'm really excited that I have a podcast for this election season. Like right. it's the next three months. 
I mean, I don't even know what, like people here expecting tech talks and stuff are going to be like, what happened to the local maximum? <laughs> but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. Did you have a, a podcast in 2016? Were you, were you in the Potiverse? Or? Um, I think, no. I started no. my podcast right after Trump got elected. Yeah. Um, but prior to that, I was doing a, a web series, um, Rob's Newsroom. And I got to tell you, of that election, I, I did the funniest and best coverage of it than anybody. I mean, you can go back and watch it. That shit, they my presidential too? coverage. Yeah, it's all there. The problem is it's political, so it's super dated. But the best episode I did was on the Hillary Clinton email scandal. I still remember the jokes from that. They were incredible jokes. Um, you know, you guys can go look that up. It, it's all there. I actually got a website, RobbieTheFire.com. It's all there on one page. You can check it out. Um, but no, I was, I, I, I'm telling you, dude, I did great, really funny coverage of that election cycle, um, on that. And then I started doing, you know, that kind of died out and I started doing the podcast and I've been doing this since. Yeah. I don't know how funny I could be, but, uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm just, it'll be, I, I feel like, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, and, and and I hate to admit this, but I am like, it's going to be the Democratic convention next week and, the, and the, the debates. Like, I am just, I'm like nervous for Joe Biden. Like, I, there's a lot I don't like about him, but I'm like, I'm ner I, every time he walks out, I'm like, I'm nervous. What's he going to say? What's he going to do? Well, he's already uh, telling you that Kamala's taking over the second they get in. I mean, he's like literally just saying that. He tweeted yeah. today, hey, I, I wanted to pick someone who would be ready from day one. I don't think, I think he's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what his plan is, but I said it the day he announced he was running, this guy's really dumb. Uh, and we just keep been seeing how dumb he is and just wait till there's a little more exposure. This has been the best six months of that guy's life. He's been able to stay <laughs> in his basement and just put out edited videos that were like mostly pre-written. How, how is that? I mean, it would be amazing if that strategy pays off. I, I don't see it, but like, I... I, yeah, he's he's he can only hurt himself. People are going to show up and vote against Donald Trump. Yeah, because they're really upset with what's going on in the country. Unless Biden talks more and people realize just how dumb he is. That's it. That's the only way. Biden can only beat himself right now. Yeah. I mean, it's I he's he's going to have to talk during the debates. There are some people who say the debates aren't going to happen or he's going to be replaced. I find it so I, I don't think they can replace him. First of all, you can't They're replace, not replace him. him. But yeah. if they don't do the debates live, it's going to be an easier format for him to not have to, like, really be attacked. You mean they might do a Zoom debate? Yeah, I, I, I feel easy. like I, I picture them doing a Zoom debate, and he starts talking, and then like once he starts saying something a little weird, the picture starts going all fuzzy, and it's like, oh, you're I can see that. So, yeah. I really could see that. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Ah. <laughs> That would be so. When you go through, I mean, these, they like, gave. Oh, what was the story when they gave debate questions to Hillary? Like they're in the business of propaganda. Like you think. Uh oh, you're frozen. I'm back. You, ah, you froze okay. on me. I think the. I think the issue. You froze on me. I think. Um. I think the uh, the debate moderators were trying to censor us a little bit there. Uh, could if be, you, you know, they're, they're already, they're they're already showing coming us, after us. They're like, oh yeah, what, what, that's what you can do. Yeah, no, I think, um, yeah, I, I picture, I think the moderators are going to get involved with the debates like they did in 2012. And that's just going to be, it's going to be Trump versus the moderators. Actually, that would be great for Biden. He could just sit back, get a moderator to debate Trump. 
and he doesn't have to do very much. Yeah. I also, uh, I can't quite, I haven't worked out this joke in my head. Like I just, I can't figure out the funny on it yet, but there's something really like offensive to minorities that the person that Biden ended up picking was Kamala Harris. Um, and that like for months he's saying, Hey, we're going to find this qualified black lady. And then the person he ended up bringing forward was the one that pulled it. Nothing in the polls because no one liked her. And the fact that it took him this much time in order to say, Hey, this person who's been here the whole time is the best option. I don't know. There's something like, I, I can't quite peg it, but there's something offensive on both fronts. It's offensive to Kamala that it took him this long to pick her if she's actually the qualified person. And then there's something like offensive about going, Hey, we're going to find someone in this specific category who is qualified. And then you come forward with basically someone that everyone rejected. Yeah. Even if you're going to do that, like I don't see why he came out and said, Oh, I'm going to pick a woman. If he was going to do it, he should just say, he should just do it. Um, I feel well, like. Cause he wanted the, but, cause the woke points, it was, yeah. the, the, it wasn't so much the, um, he was very specifically saying, I don't care about the person being the most qualified or the most dig like, I don't care about any of this. The thing that I need is that the person has a vagina. And mm. so, and he said that, you know, I I'm going to be willing to it. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm going to kind of wait and see uh, how this shakes out. But yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get what he's trying to achieve there. Like I totally understand why Obama picked Biden in 2008, even though Biden also didn't do very well in that presidential election in 2000. But the difference is like Kamala Harris was painted as the, the savior by the media. She was everywhere in, in like uh, last year, right? And then she got almost no votes. No well, votes you can tell that gives you the insight that for some reason the system really likes her. Whoever the real people with power are, the yeah. fact that up front she got the biggest push and the most coverage means that somebody, I don't know who, you know, I, you want to go really conspiracy theory with it. You could say whatever the, you know, deep state fucking war machine thing is, that's who they want. And so they weren't able to get her as president because despite everything they tried to tell us, everyone's like, nah, 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 this whiny lady, I don't like her. Um, and so now they got her in as vice president. She might, she probably will be president when Biden just goes, yeah, I'm, I've got dementia. Yeah. Yeah. I well. Yeah, I want to compare this to like Obama 2008 picking Biden. You know, Biden didn't do too well in the in the presidential election, but, you know, he did OK, but he wasn't expected to do well, you know, and he wasn't. And, you know, he, he well, I think he helped Biden. I think he Biden. helped Obama get like uh, some of the Midwestern states. Uh, I, I think I think that made people more comfortable voting for him. I think it, it balanced the ticket. It, it, I. Does that do this this time in some ways, no. but I don't know if it really will work. No, I think part of the uh, Biden thing was he was a longtime senior, you know, mainstream Democrat. So Obama being the new guy now had the endorsement of like, you know, the mainstay of the party. That was right. the idea there. And now we have insider insider, basically, with, uh, Biden Harris. So, I mean, yeah. And yeah, and Trump did the same thing, outsider, inside, yeah, with Pence. So, yeah, I don't know. It, every time you're like, these are the rules from the past election, but then the election comes and you're like, this election could be new rules. So, I don't know. I, I just, I don't see Biden, like, end up winning this. I mean, unless people are so mad at Trump over coronavirus and they really see this as being his fault that they just want him out, which is very likely. It's likely that there are enough people... 
and it's not even enough people. You just have to, there were already a ton of people that hated Trump no matter what. So it's just a matter of if the people that were okay with Trump, which is essentially the biggest, I think, voting block of that is the white college educated women, that demographic that had voted for Obama that flipped to Trump, that people it still tried to say was the racist. There were so many racists in the country. And it's like, no, it was mostly the white college educated women that flipped. Um, but anyways, that's the demographic that if they're just kind of fed up with Trump, um, you know, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that the like the social media landscape is so different now than it was in 2016. Like it really changes a lot. Like now, Facebook and Twitter are really heavy in terms of just you know getting the like getting the information out that they want to get out. But then it's also like other people see through that, and it's I don't know. It's some. It's why it's, do you think that is? I think it's because they, they, they made it a they concerted. They could yeah, they lost an election in 2016. Yeah, yeah, they lost an election and they realized, yeah, and now which might not actually help the Democratic candidates. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they realize this, but they're like, yeah, let's all collude to, um, you know, blatantly help the Democrat. It doesn't necessarily make the Democrats look good uh, when people see that going on. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the average person is not aware that it's that level of uh, collusion. I think they're think just. So? Yeah, I think it's now, it, it's almost, it, it's not at this level, but it's like when there was only CNN, there was only CNN. That was what the news was. Um, internet kind of ruined that for them because now you can get all sorts of news. But if yeah, like now, people when you go to Facebook and Twitter, all the contrarian opinions are being deleted. And the only thing you're getting is, uh, you know, whatever that CNN party line is, it's an then those platforms become an extension of what CNN was, you know, five years ago. Yeah, and now, now you just see everything and that's, it's driving us crazy, maybe, but I don't know. Maybe it's make, giving us more potential avenues to find the truth in different situations, but um, ah, who knows? Um, all right. So cool. You said you, oh, uh, yeah. One thing, if you're, if you're filming some sketches, I was in sketch comedy in college. So if you ever have a character that meets my description, let me know. I'll come out and do it. All right, you got it, man. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, it will come up. I'm not. I'm not lying. That's good to know. Like, uh, yeah. th there'll be an archetype for you. I, 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 or, I'm hey, gonna take I, you up on I can that. be an actor too. So if you if you want something that is totally doesn't fit my description, but see if I could uh, see if I could cut it, I'd be willing to give it a shot. All right, I'm uh, gonna take so. you up on that. All right, awesome. Yeah, I will. I will come over and uh, and and do do that wherever you wherever you do those, uh, those, those filming. So I got, I was in uh, fifth humor in, in college. That was like the, the sketch comedy group at my, uh, at, at school. And it was a lot of fun. We made all these videos and I actually found them all recently because during quarantine, I was like, I was digitizing all my videos, my whole video collection. And I probably have some stuff uh, that. Uh, I love <laughs> the way that people that don't drink spend their time. <laughs> you hear yeah. that and you're like all right you know what drinking's fine like <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know it, it uh it made me miss the whole uh the whole sketch comedy group situation so yeah, I'll, I'll, i'd make time for that so all right rob thanks for coming on the show really appreciate it and uh maybe we could do a porch tour sometime in connecticut summer porch tour all right take care all right later bud thank you
Okay, now we've got a change of pace next week. If all goes according to plan, I'm going to talk to Aaron about a branch of mathematics known as topology. If you don't know what that is, I'll try to catch you up, and you might want to know why I've been looking into it recently. So don't miss that next week. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.